Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Matthew chapter 5, I want you to really, really, really be determined to hear from the Lord today. I want you to honestly believe that God is alive, He's real. I want you to really believe that God blessed you by allowing you to be in His house today because He has something to say to each one of us. In Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 40, Jesus is talking. And he said, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let them have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Go the Second Mile. Pray with me. God, thank you for going the second mile for us the third and the fourth also. God, thank you for always doing exceeding abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. You are exalted beyond measure. You are the one true and living God, and we look to you today to teach us from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Go the second mile. Now, that is not just something that you're apt to hear in church. That is something that you can hear uh, in almost any setting, either religious or secular, uh, in the church, outside the church, go the second mile. It's something coaches teach. It's something that uh, HR departments teach. It's something that you will hear in every phase of life because there's just a lot of modern-day cliches that come from God's Word. If I were to have asked you, without already giving you this little bit of setup that I've given you, what is the one book that has influenced English language more than any other book in the whole world? Uh, you, 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 might, you might say the Bible because, you know, uh, it, it's such a great selling book. And, uh, uh, but some people might think it was, it was some type of poetry. I mean, Shakespeare has influenced our uh, language a lot, but there, there's no book that has put forth more cliches, more, more uh, nuggets, more one-liners that uh, have been used in, in the English language uh, and around the world, and especially today. The, mod, the, the, the cliches that came out of the Bible are still being used today on a regular basis, and here's the crazy thing. Some people don't even know it. Some people have no clue. When, 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 when the teacher stands up and tells the class, it's going to be a challenging semester, and I want all of y'all to go the extra mile. They may or may not even realize. When the coach stands up and says that uh, we, we got a tough opponent, and, and I'm going to need everybody to go the extra mile, they might not even realize that they are quoting Scripture when they quote it. I, I told y'all a lot of these cliches. I'm going to give you some. I got a list of over 50, but I'm only going to give you a few um, because I want to get to something before we get out of here today. Uh, one, of, one of my favorites is the, the, the two-word phrase, Doubting Thomas. Oh, don't be a Doubting Thomas. Uh, a lot of people say they don't even know who Thomas is. 
And, 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 and Thomas gets a bad rap by being remembered as doubting Thomas. But Thomas also made one of the greatest confessions of Christ when he saw Jesus. Uh, but I've told you all before, cliches can be powerful, but sometimes they can be overused. The ones that come from the Bible uh, should be powerful, but a lot of people don't even know that they come from the Bible and aren't getting God the credit for it. Uh, here, here's one. If you mess with fire, you're going to get burned. People say that, people say that in the country to death and lot, well, you, you would hope they'd know, but a lot of people don't even know that these things come from the Bible. Uh, I, I'll give you another one. Now, I'm going to paraphrase it for, for modern day translation, but it, but it still comes from the biblical text. What goes around? If you mess with the bull, you get, if you don't want none, see, all that comes right out of you reap what you sow. Coming me hard, you, you might get that back straight out of the Bible. Here's one that I promise you most people don't know comes out of the Bible. If somebody says that they narrowly got away, if somebody says that they barely squeaked in, then they got in by the skin of their, uh-huh, that's right out of the Bible. I want you to find out where the Bible says that. Who, who knows right off the top of their head where the Bible says that? Ah, go learn something this month. It's in the book of Job. I'm not going to give you the address even though I got it written down. Uh, biblical stuff. Now, here's one everybody knows. Uh, a house divided against itself cannot what? That's, Jesus said that. Here, here's one people don't think comes out of the Bible, but it does. A drop in the right out of God's holy word. Here's one, when somebody's talking about something that's huge and, and, and scary, it's a behemoth. It probably should have been called a behemoth. <laughs> Y'all didn't like that. <laughs> but right out of the Bible. Here's something, when they throw on the blame on, on somebody, when they want to hang it on one person, whether they did it or not, they are the scapegoat, right? At, see, some of y'all Bible folk, y'all know these Bible words. Uh, but can you tell me where the Bible says scapegoat? There's your assignment. Go figure that out. I, I'm going to get off this list in just a minute. I, I, I just love, I, I'm trying to weed through it. Uh, don't cast your pearls before the, that's how I think most people figure that's, that's how the Bible. Oh, here's one. Oh, man. Now, now our, our minister of music, Jeff Harris, he, he's been in music for a long time, know, knows a lot of words to, to a lot of songs. I, I don't know if he knows, and I'm not going to put him on, on, on the money. I'll I open this up to everybody. Does anybody know the chart-topping top ten single that came out in America that is derived from the oldest words the lyrics were taken from the oldest manuscript in the history of all chart-topping singles in this country. Of course you don't. Oh, well, there it is. Who better than, than, than the musician that traveled around the world in a band? Uh, you weren't singing all Christian songs back then either, were you? He, he was jamming. He, he ain't always been jamming for Jesus. Go ahead, Uncle Ken. Tell everybody. Turn, turn, turn by the birds. Uh, and, and here's what it says. To everything, I don't know why they say turn, turn, turn. There is a season, and to, to everything there is a season comes right out of guess what book? Look at Deacon Ken coming strong with the music background. 
But see, he just proved to me what I've been telling my kids forever. Because my kids, whether no matter what it is, something goes wrong in the house, and they're like, how do you always know what to do, Dad? And, 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 and Deacon Ken just lived out what I've been telling them. You live long enough, you pick up some things along the way. Isn't that right? Um, lots of stuff, modern-day stuff. We got the, that's not the only song that comes straight out of the Bible. Here's a more modern one for some of y'all. Uh, Sage sang it. Uh, let me say it a different way. And many of y'all still going to say who, but it's spelled Sade, S-A-D-E. Uh, that was pronounced... Uh, okay. She sung, you gave me the kiss of life. The kiss of life is right out of the Bible. Now, what's funny, in the UK, uh, they, they, they call it the kiss of life more than they call it mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. When, when they talk about practicing CPR, they practice the kiss of life, and that is right out of God's holy word. I got to I got I got to get off these because we we got people walking out by the road. Uh, (laughs) To the ends of the earth, right out of the Bible. Here's one that would have to be out of the Bible. Anybody's been around for a minute would understand this. But if you're not, if you got no background in the Bible, you you don't you probably don't know uh, when Robin said to Batman, or when some other corny person said to some other corny person. Jumping Jehoshaphat, Batman. <laughs> you probably figure Jehoshaphat is a Bible name if you've been around for a minute. Um, there was a movie, uh, wasn't a great movie, and it had an even worse title, but one of the funniest lines in this movie, and it was called The Devil Wears Prada, and it was about a really mean boss. And when the boss lady was pulling up to work, uh, the, the, the gay office dude that was hilarious. In his, he said, gird your loins, people. Anybody remember that? Some of y'all not. Gird your loins, people. Uh, obviously a Bible reference, but there's so many more. I'll get off to it, get off all that and get to our text, a biblical reference that we still hear, even in the non-church world. Go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Or as our text says, uh, more specifically, go the the second mile. Now, many of you know that when I read the Bible, I go real slow. I read every verse that I read in at least half a dozen to a dozen different versions, not because I think one is, uh, well, I got a couple that I think are actually superior, but I like to read in all a lot of different versions because if they all say pretty much exactly or are pretty much or exactly the same thing, then I understand that the context is already there and I don't have to dig as deep into the Hebrew uh, wording or the Greek wording. Uh, but sometimes some of them bring out so much more clarity. I'll give you an example with our text verse. In one translation, uh, Matthew 5:41 says, Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. So here's the deal. Whoever does what? Forces you. So we see that someone is forcing you to do something. Now, whoever sometimes can mean anybody. Whoever can, uh, who, if if they said, Pastor Scott, who do you want uh, to close in prayer? Whoever. Whoever. 
That, that, that's just anybody. How, who, who can come and repent at the altar today uh, to be saved or to get closer to God? Whoever can, can do that. But sometimes whoever is a specific somebody. Uh, another version, uh, same verse, Matthew 5, 21 says, If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. But here, here we still got someone forcing you, but it went from whoever to who? Anyone. Still doesn't sound that specific to me. But when I read it in the New Living Translation, uh, not to be confused with the Living Bible, that is not a Bible translation, but the New Living Translation in Matthew 5.41 says this way. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. This is a, this, this, and this is why I read through all these different translations, because this is an obvious pump the brakes moment. This is an obvious, oh, wait, what? I, there, there are nine other versions that I could have gave you that said whoever and anyone. That's the constant. The, the, the two constant words in this verse consistently. Whoever, anyone. Anyone, whoever. Anyone, anyone, whoever. And one Bible translation says if a soldier. So I'm thinking, that's off. <laughs> uh, uh, we've, done, we've done gone nine in a row with anyone and whoever to get to a soldier. So this is when I dig deeper. And it's one of the good things about coming to church. You, you get to hear something that I've dug into for, for decades uh, to, and, and, and just hand it out to you in a palatable meal o- over a short period of time. Uh, but so digging into this, you'll find out that this is an exception. Say ex- exception. Because most times the nine in a row is more accurate than the one that's different. But this time we have an exception where this one actually takes the digging out for you. This one, if you dug into this verse, if you dug into commentaries of this verse, if you dug into the original language this verse was written in, which is Greek, you would find out that it is exactly talking about this Roman army practice that that all the people... that Jesus was talking to understood. Now, they understood if Jesus said, if anyone forces you uh, to to go with them a mile, they they knew there was only one type of person in their community that could force them to walk with them for a mile, and that was the Roman soldier. Because in those days, the, the Roman soldier could, by law, force anyone that he saw to carry his gear up to a mile. Uh, that's rough. Um, I, I don't know when the last time you walked a mile is, uh, but, but hopefully it wasn't at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And if you were, hopefully it wasn't carrying a bunch of soldiering gear. Now, I know you know a little bit about that, Sergeant Major. That gear can get heavy. Um, and this Roman gear what wasn't as, as tactical as the gear our soldiers carry now. And you talk, you're talking about carrying weapons, carrying big shields, little shields, big swords, little swords. And he could just walk up to anybody and say, let's go, you. Carry all this stuff. Get it on and carry it for a mile. And that was the law. And it wasn't fun for anybody, but he could enforce that to happen. And listen, th- th- this was more times than not uh, inconvenient, demeaning, difficult. Time and time consuming. Uh, and that the reason why, let, let me just give you some background, then we're gonna finish up and get to something. 
One of the reasons why that it was so hard on the Jewish people Jesus was talking to was because they, were, they had been enslaved for hundreds of years by Romans. They had been tortured and killed and crucified by Romans. They, 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 they were viewed as less than by Romans. They were harshly oppressed by the Roman government. Listen, they were enemies of each other for centuries, but and still this man who hated you could come up and say, hey, carry all my stuff for the next mile. And so the, the Jewish practice was that, and, and man, they were a particular people back then, they, still today, they, they, they would count it out because they had determined uh, how many steps, and I don't know if it holds up for an American step, uh, listen, especially for some of y'all that don't know how to dress, put a belt on, guys, or buy pants that fit you because the average person can walk like this, okay? I'm old and got a broke back. An average person can walk like this. If you walk like this, you've been sitting on a horse too long, okay? If you walk like this, you've been watching too many pimp movies. If you walk like this, Get some pants that fit you, okay? But in the Jewish community, they had determined that for their style of walking, 1,000 steps equal the mile, and they had fulfilled their obligation at 1,000 steps. And they would begin counting out loud. Uh, this is a way of giving it back to the Roman soldier. It'd be like one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, nine, twenty-one, and when they got to a thousand, that were they were done, and the, they they could not be forced beyond that th that that thousand steps, and so this was a very common practice that they were familiar with then, and this is why you need to understand context, and this is why coming to church will help you because I'm, I'm going to dig into it deeper than than your cursory reading of it would be and when you understand the context then you can get a deeper revelation of what is going on could you imagine if we lived in a world today where the person that you felt hated you the most could just come up and just snatch you up anytime no matter if it was inconvenient no, no, no matter if it was demeaning to you if it was difficult if it was time if they could just say alright you with me for the next, uh, now, it take, anybody know how long it takes the average person to walk a mile at, 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 a, at, a, at a slow pace? About 15 minutes. Um, depending on, you know, what you call a, a slow pace. You're not walking that 15 minutes as the average human being uh, in first century world carrying somebody else's gear. They were not used to soldiering. He, you throw, uh, now some of y'all have been in the military. Some of y'all have been on that 15-mile force march with, with all that weight on your back. You know that if you just came in there, if a drill sergeant came in here right now and said, all right, I got a 75-pound rucksack. I got a 9-pound um, uh, M16A1 rifle. I got on some really hard boots and a heavy a battle dress uniform I'm going to put on you, and you're going to walk down the street carrying all that for a mile. Uh, anybody believe that slow down the average pace of the average person? Of course it would. So uh, th this was not something that was easily done. So uh, let me get some punchline out before y'all nod off altogether. 
Many times what God is asking us to do ain't easy. Do you understand that? Many times it's exactly what it was then. Jesus was telling them, look, now, now you get more context. He says, if anyone forces you to walk, nobody else could force you to walk a mile, okay? So, so you, you, you got you to gotta get the understanding that comes out of this particular trend. If a soldier read enemy, if a soldier read somebody who hates you, if a soldier read somebody who's probably killed somebody you love, if a soldier demands that you do something that is inconvenient, demeaning, difficult, and time-consuming for him, you ought to do more than he asks. How many of y'all are like, yeah, whatever? <laughs> Nobody wants things. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, one, one honest man. Uh, most people would be like, <laughs> I, if, we, if I asked right now, if I said this, and, and, and you've heard it before, if I said, hey, we got to get some tables moved around, in the uh, fellowship hall after church today, need a couple people to stick around and help move some tables and chairs. How many people believe every single person in this room would immediately go right over there after service? And, and who believes every single person is going right? No. Some people are like, moving chairs. Well, I didn't come to church to move chairs. <laughs> I ain't me, dog. I ain't no, I ain't no slave. I ain't no, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't no hunchback. Find somebody else. They they pay people to do that kind of stuff. I I got on I got on my good shirt too. Ain't no way. God' ways are different than our ways. God does everything He does for a reason. Uh, today, though, more than any other time, it's always been this way. But today, more than any other time. Uh, and, and one of the cool things about the Bible, especially eschatology, which is the study of end-time events, what the world's going to look like at, at, uh, you know, before it all blows up, uh, the Bible says that there will be a mass escalation in the end. And, and we've lived into the escalation. I can remember the first time I ever heard anyone say it uh, was in 1990. 1990, Dr. Harold Hudson uh, said that he, he read some government statistic and he said that knowledge is doubling once every five years. And I thought, whatever. But then he explained it. He said, what that means is that everything that's ever been learned from day one to now, we're going to learn twice as much of that in five years as everything that's ever been learned in the history of of mankind, I thought, wow, that's saying a lot. And, and, and check, listen, 1990, you didn't own a PC in 1990 or a cell phone. You didn't have a DVR or, or a smart TV. You, you, you had a beeper. If you still got a beeper, stop selling drugs, give your life to Jesus. But you had a beeper. And you had an answering machine at your house that you had to go to a landline or a payphone. Do they still have payphones? Somewhere? What do they cost? Really? Different opinions, whatever. You had to go to a payphone or a landline and you had to put in your star and your code to get into your answering system that ran on a tape machine so you could listen to listen that ain't even much 
technology to begin with in 1990. Then I started hearing different sources change that date. And it was either because Dr. Hudson was wrong, which he wasn't, or because the information changed, which it had. So by the year 2010, the government was telling us that knowledge was doubling every two years, which means that everything that we had ever learned in all of our human existence, we'd learn twice as much in the next two years. Come to 2019, knowledge is now doubling in the world every six to 12 months, depending on what specific field of knowledge you're looking at. So here, here's, now, uh, my, my, my kids, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it as gently as I can, they're not the biggest fans of the public school system. So, so th this will give you some good information, Jake. Uh, uh, don't, don't tell any of your teachers this because you don't need the heat. Um, let, me get, let me get it off him because he'll go tell his teacher. He, he won't because I told him not to. Let me get, get on all y'all paying expensive money for your kids to go to college. Do you know what they learn in their freshman year? Well, not only, not only will all the information be doubled by the time they get to their sophomore year, but by the, if, if they're in certain fields, that information will be completely obsolete and no longer accurate. Isn't that right? And certainly, uh, this is funny, MIT came out and said this about their own school. I don't know how they're charging all these people to go there and get business degrees. MIT came out and said what, what you were taught in your freshman year will not, will not be usable to you in the workplace by your junior year. Now, if you think like Jacob thinks, you'd be wondering, well, what am I sitting in class for anyway, learning a bunch of useless stuff that I ain't never going to be able to use? And that makes going to school inconvenient. But how many of y'all know we need to go to school? It teaches, sometimes it's the difficult things, even that don't make sense that will benefit you the most greatly. Sometimes it's the difficult things that God is calling on you to do to take you to a next level. But when, when it comes to this type of thing of being forced to do something, we live in a time more so than ever. I told you, the escalation because of the end of the world is coming. We're escalating in knowledge. We're escalating in expansion of everything. We're seeing more people get saved around the world than ever. and We're seeing more people fall away from God than ever. We're seeing more people just do more of everything. People wonder, well, I wonder why there's so much of this going on right now. And, and, and they try to figure out ways to blame it on stuff. This is prophecy from the Word of God being fulfilled. We're living in a time of great expansion. We're living in a time of great escalation. And never more so in the history of the world have we had such a selfish generation of people on the planet. Knowledge is doubling every year. Selfishness is doubling every second. Grandmom and them couldn't afford to be that selfish. They couldn't just lay in bed and think, I don't want to get up and go check for the eggs down at the barn. Because they had to eat. They didn't have a grocery store to go get stuff from. 
Well, daddy, granddaddy and them couldn't say, great-granddaddy and them couldn't say, I don't want to go out and chop wood today for the, for, for the fire because the fire wasn't just, back then, it wasn't just something cute and romantic to look at in your house, fireplaces in Florida. Where are y'all really at with this? <laughs> Central heat and air. Oh, it's cold outside. We better make a fire. Man, you better turn that thermostat. <laughs> Granddaddy didn't have that choice. He wasn't making a fire to, to sit by and look at how pretty it was. He had to make a fire just to cook. But now we live in a time of such ease. Everything has been so simple that it's created greater levels of selfishness, greater levels of laziness. I just don't know how much longer it can continue. I hope I, well, I don't know. I really don't. But if I live long enough to see the babies that are being born now be full-grown adults, because everybody in this room knows, I don't care how old you are, you'd be the oldest person in this room right now. You know your mama told you, Y'all's whole generation's lazy. Y'all didn't work as hard as we worked coming up. We had to go more. To, uh, and, and certainly that's true of, of our kids today. Anybody, you can't say amen to that. You don't know children. But how is it going to be if the 20-year-olds if, if the today are telling their kids 10 years from now, what's wrong with y'all's whole generation? Y'all lazy. Ha-ha. <laughs> Now, now what if that if what if that generation grows up and and and, and they're telling these babies, what if these babies right now, 30 years from now, are telling their kids, well, the thing that's wrong with y'all's generation is y'all selfish. <laughs> My personal opinion, we don't have enough time for it to get much worse than it already is. But we live in a day of ultimate selfishness. We live in a day in a world where self reigns supreme. We, we live in a day where people are told to do something and they have no hesitancy about saying, I don't want to. You couldn't have said that to grandmama. If grandmama said, get up and wash your hands, you were moving. I don't want to. I don't. It's over. You, you, you didn't live in that world, so you don't know. And listen, some of y'all that are young think old people just make stuff up. Let me say it to this side of the room. So, some of y'all that are young, y'all just be thinking old people be making stuff up? No, it was just like that. Uh, y'all think I'm kidding. Ask my sister. Grandma would hit people for saying pregnant, wouldn't she? Man, I messed around one time. I don't even remember who it was. It might have been me, and I got hit so hard I forgot. But somebody said that somebody in the community was pregnant. They didn't get to the, the, the G. Was pregnant. Slapped right across the face at the table. Had to have been me because I remember this line. Boy, don't you be fast in my house. I'm like, ain't no coach in the world ever told me I was fast, Grandmama. <laughs> I don't want to. If your children respond back to you after you tell them to do something with I don't want to, you need to mail in your parenting card. To non-parenting is us. 
If somebody works for you, I pick on Elder Jimmy because he works in a he owns a fence company. He has a demanding job. It is it, lifting uh, in his mind heavy fence panels uh, and four by fours. Now I'll give him that. Um, it's hot out there, right? That stuff can be heavy, right? Could you imagine getting to a job site first thing in the morning and telling everybody, all right, I need y'all to offload these panels because I got to take the flatbed back uh, to the yard and, and, and get some more stuff. And, and, and two people on your crew like, I don't want to. <laughs> Does it work like that at, at Dormont Fence Company? No, it don't work like that. But we have a generation of people, and it's not just young people. See, we, uh, young people, let me let, me, let, me let y'all know. I'm just using y'all as a setup to get to the old people so y'all can breathe again. Every age of people in this room has been told to do something by God, and whether you said it verbally out of your mouth or not, your actions decried to God, I don't want to. We live in a world where self reigns supreme where people get told to do something and have no heartache at all looking back at somebody and say that's not my job see this this, this is non-acceptable speech in god's kingdom when god tells you to do something that's not my job i get back on deacon dixon you sergeant major the united states army some e6 running a platoon for you somewhere you tell them uh i, I want to have all, all your people uh uh, police headquarters building uh, uh, before they go home today. And, and, and the dude looks at you and says, bruh, I'm E6. They ain't my job. Picking up trash ain't my job. Is that how it works? Does he have that option? He just has to do what you tell him to do. See, we don't live in a society that understands these basic normative functions that have governed the world throughout all its history. Now we live in a day where you got 12-year-olds talking about, he better not disrespect me. Well, learn how to say disrespect and put all the letters in it. Um, and then learn what respect comes from, and then we can have a conversation. But we live in a world of, that ain't my job. That's not acceptable in God's kingdom. If God tells you to do something, you don't, you, you don't have to worry. Now, see, these are basic things that could have been in the mind of the Jewish person when their hater told them, pick up my stuff and carry it for me. Well, I don't want to. What, that didn't fly. It ain't my job. I ain't no soldier. That, that didn't fly. Jesus was telling people to do something um, they, they couldn't say, I don't feel like it. Uh, they, they couldn't look at the soldier and say, do what? You don't deserve that. They couldn't tell him, you don't deserve me be, being your tote boy. They were told not just by the government to do it. They were told by Jesus Christ to do it. Not just to do it, but to do it extra. Now, see, extra, it's so funny when, when young people take words uh, you, you can look, look up most, when you don't want to understand what your young people are saying, just go to Urban Dictionary. That'll help you out. But they, 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 when, once you twist the meaning of words, you're no longer fashionable, hip, cool, or just dramatic. 
You, you're just wrong. But young people, when young people say extra today, oh, she'd be an extra. Now, common sense would say extra what? They have no follow-up to that. Just extra. Oh, you're so extra. Uh, listen, Jesus wasn't talking about being extra that. He was saying do more than what is asked of you, even when you don't want to. Uh, somebody could have looked at somebody and while they were picking it up um, and said, man, I wouldn't do that if he told me to after what they, all they put us through. Didn't have that option. Not through the government they didn't have that option. And listen to this, you anti-government anarchists. Claiming Christianity as your religion, anarchy and Christianity got some problems fundamentally. But not only did the government tell them they had to do it, Jesus said not only do you have to do it, you got to do it extra. They didn't have the option to say, they hate me, so I hate them back. They had to do it, not only because the government said so, but because Jesus commanded them to. See, none of these excuses, nor any of the other excuses that you could come up with, fly in God's kingdom. So if you find yourself making excuses against what God has commanded you to do, and listen, we all do. One person agreed with me. If you find yourself making excuses for why you do or don't do what God has told you to do or don't do, you need to understand excuses don't fly in the kingdom of God. He said from the very beginning, I set before you a choice, a choice to obey and be blessed, or to disobey and be cursed. So th this morning, I want everybody in the room to really determine, are you an extra mile person or not? Are you a go the extra mile? And we got some go the extra mile people in here. I'm going to tell you that for sure. I am so blessed. I, I was sharing with Elder Keon last night. We, uh, we were hanging out, and, and I told him, uh, didn't I tell you, Elder, that we, we got some people around here that are some go-to people, some extra mile people, some, 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 some when, 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 I, when I can't get it done, I can always count on some certain people to get it done. We've got a lot of extra mile people in here, but what I want you to determine is, are you one of them? Or are you a bare minimum standard dude? Chick, chica, sister. Or brother. Or dude. That's for this side of the room. <laughs> and if you are, why are you? See, because some extra mile people are con artists. You ever met one of those? Uh, I, I just talked about him. Uh, why did I forget this dude's name? The Leave it to Beaver con artist. Eddie Haskell. Eddie Haskell looked like an extra mile dude. If, 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 if an adult was in the room and they asked all the boys to help, why, yes, Mrs. Cleaver, right away, Mrs. Cleaver, and Eddie Haskell would look like Johnny on the... Eddie Haskell was a liar. He was a con artist. He, was, he looked like a go-to-extra-mile person, and he did go the extra mile when eyes were on him, but he wasn't really a go-to-extra-mile person. 
See, you might be what everybody considers a go the extra mile person. You might be doing it based on your own insecurity and your need for acceptance. You might be doing it based on your need to try to get something back from somebody. You may be doing it on your need to try to promote yourself. Just because you're, everybody thinks you're an extra mile person doesn't mean that we really can confirm that with God because, you know, the Bible says that man can only see on the outside, but God looks on the heart. Now, that, that's, that, that's for the extra mile people, but that, that's the small group of people in the room. That's the, that's the group of people. Now, no lie, and I ought to do it just, just to do it, but I don't want to mess up anything to set up. That's the group of people that I said, hey, we need, we need some people, as many as are able to, to stick around and uh, do some cleaning up in the fellowship hall. We, we need to uh, move some tables and sweep and mop. Uh, and then the more I put on it, uh, the less people would stay. We need to sweep and mop and bust some floors and do some painting over there and some electrical work, and, and we, we, we need to do some raking in the back. Uh, how many of y'all realize that that group's getting smaller and smaller and smaller? So the extra mile people, whether for the right reason or the wrong reason, are the smallest of the small group of people in the room, and the rest of the group of people in the room aren't even extra mile to begin with. They're bare minimum. They're, they're pfft, he better not ask me to do it because he's lucky I showed up, people. So I want you to determine before you leave this place today, are you an extra mile person? If so, why? And if not, why not? I told you, 1 Samuel 16, 7, God said he sees your motive. Man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. Let's look at these four reasons I gave you for, for the Jewish person to not want to carry, not want to, not want to do uh, what the soldier told him. And Jesus knew, and Jesus knew what their excuses were, and Jesus knows what our excuses are. And none of them are satisfactory or acceptable in his mind. He told them, not only do I want you to do these things that are inconvenient, um, demeaning, difficult, and time-consuming, he said, I want you to do them double. I, if they ask for one, I want you to give them two. I want you to be the most extra-doing person that there is. So let's look at what was difficult for them because the more the world changed, the more it stays the same. Uh, that's also from the Bible where, where the scripture tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. So their excuses tend to be our excuses. Their successes can be ours. If you want more, guess what? You got to do more. Now, I'm not even going to have you raise your hand at this point because all, all the non-extra mile people are mad because they've been outed. You just need to do that again. Get you off of you uh, and let God get into you. Uh, but you need to buckle down and realize that God has an expectancy of each one of us. Now, the first thing I told you, an excuse that they had then, I tell you, if you want what they had, you got to do what they did to get it. That's why you study the people who did the wrong stuff in the Bible so you don't do the wrong stuff because they turned out bad. You study the people that did the right stuff in the Bible so you can do that because they turned out good. You look at the, 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 the reasonings that the right people had, do that, don't do the wrong stuff. Let's look at some of these excuses I said that they had. He, he asked them, that Roman soldier was forcing them. Put that verse back up there for me. Uh, he was, a Roman soldier was demanding of them that they carry his gear. Who, what, was it their gear? No, it was his gear. Was it their idea? No, it was his idea. And it was inconvenient for them to do that. When, when a Roman soldier told a Jewish person to carry his stuff, he didn't give them two weeks' notice. 
Go ahead and ever ask a group of people. Now, fortunately for most of y'all, y'all are never in a, in a position to have to ask a group of volunteers to do something extra or something at all. At all. Uh, but you would find out people would come back with, well, you know, if you would have gave me more advance notice. Did they get advance notice? They're walking down the street. And they're not just, listen, this wasn't a, a, a generation. Today, you see somebody walking down the street. Uh, on any street in America, we'll pick 103rd because it's up the road. If you see somebody walking down the street on 103rd, doesn't necessarily mean they're going anywhere. Doesn't mean they got anywhere to be. Doesn't mean they're, they're not, they, they, they might not be walking anywhere on purpose or on a mission. They might just be ambling down the street because they're, you know, it's hot on the porch and they're tired of sitting at home. But back in this working world, in this agricultural community, where they had to literally work all day long just to survive, when they were walking down the road, they were on their way somewhere. They weren't just, you know, out stretching their legs. It's so funny. People tell you right now, uh, what is the best exercise for overweight, non-athletic people to do? Run sprints? Run marathons, go lift weights for four hours a day. The best exercise, I hope he gets it right, the best exercise for overweight, non-athletic people to do is, is what, fitness man? To walk. We are so lazy as a generation, as a country, we have developed the best exercise to be walking. Listen, they didn't walk for exercise back then. They were busy chopping wood. They were busy working hard. They were busy toting stuff. When, when they had to build a house, they, they just couldn't call Home Depot and tell them, yeah, I need uh, 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 100 panels of, of 3 by 4 plywood delivered to me on a pallet, strapped and banded in my front yard. No, they, had to, they, didn't, they didn't have to walk for exercise back then. This dude was on, they were on their way to doing something when that soldier said, stop everything that you're doing right now, pick up my gear and go this way. He didn't, he didn't care. Well, I'm not really walking that way. <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you. Uh, and I try to be transparent, and, and, and some of y'all, I've had people use it against me. I've opened up transparency about myself. People leave the church and say, he said it of himself. He's got issues. So I couldn't sit under him. You ain't sitting under me. Nobody's sitting under me right now. If you were, guess what? We're here for the Lord. But I'll be, I'll be transparent. I have, I've used this excuse myself. Some people are like, hey, can you pick me up and, 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 and blah, 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 and take me to so-and-so? Dog, I would, but I ain't really going that way. He didn't ask them, are you going that way? He didn't ask them, will it be convenient for you? Because, listen, here's the thing. Jesus said that if, they, if he asks you to walk with him a mile, walk with him two. So how many miles are you, have you potentially gone out of your way at that point? Four. Why? Because it's not just you're going this way. He said, I need you to carry my gear. Okay, you walk two miles that way, you got to come back to where you were to get this way. This is something that is highly inconvenient. That's like me calling you up at, uh, at 9 o'clock at night and saying, oh, I got a 3 o'clock plane to catch in the morning. I'm going to need you to pick me up at 1. That gives you three hours to sleep 
and an hour to get up and get to my house. Is that convenient for most people? No, but when I got rerouted one time because I needed to get home uh, and they would canceled every flight in America and I got creative and I found a flight oddly. You think if you're not flying into Jacksonville, uh, what, what, what's the next major airport to look for around Jacksonville? Anybody know? MCO in Orlando. Y'all said Atlanta. That's a long drive. But you could get it. In, I couldn't get it from, to Atlanta. I couldn't get it to Orlando. The wildest place I could get it. little tiny airport. Uh, what, what, what do you know about this city? Gainesville, Florida? They won yesterday. Uh, Gainesville, Florida. And it was getting in like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, my car is at Jacksonville International Airport under off-site parking because I ain't paying them parking rates at, 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 at JIA. Uh, so late at night, I called Elder Jimmy, woke him up from his bed, and like, hey, man, I'm going to need you to meet me at the Gainesville Airport. Uh, I'm going to be there about uh, 2.30 in the morning. Uh, you got about an hour and a half to get there. Can you make it? And that's all he said. I'm on my way. We didn't need any more conversation beyond that. Um, you, you, uh, do you normally get up and leave the house to go to work in the morning? Yep. Do, do, do you normally have things to do in your daytime? He didn't say, that's inconvenient for me. He didn't say, don't you know I'm sleeping right now? You just woke up, me, my wife, and the dog. What are you calling me? Uh, listen, there are some extra mile people that don't use this uh, well, I wasn't really planning on go driving to the airport at 2 o'clock in the morning, Pastor Scott, and then have to drive you all the way to Jacksonville International Airport on the other side of that and then try to get back home to Middleburg. Uh, it's not always convenient what God asks you to do. It wasn't convenient what the soldier asked them to do. Think about the audacity of a Roman to ask a Jew to carry their stuff for a mile come two miles out of their way. That was, that was, that was horrible uh, because they were haters. Now, Jesus comes along and say, double it up. If you're getting it, you're getting it. If you're not, I, I, I'm going to leave it alone. He didn't ask them about their schedule. He didn't ask them about their convenience. Not only was it inconvenient, it was demeaning. It was, it was belittling. It, 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 was, it was not their job. It was not something that they were equipped to do. It, 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 listen, when, when I say it was demeaning, I, I want you to get this, uh, what, what I really mean by demeaning. When, when he asked the Jewish person to carry his stuff, he didn't care what the Jewish person thought about the task. And most of them thought that task was beneath them. Because they didn't have association with Gentiles. They didn't hang out with that color of people. They didn't hang out with that nationality of people because there was great hatred between those nationalities of people, and they felt it was belittling to them to do that. I want you to know, anytime you feel like something is beneath you, anytime you feel like something is demeaning to you, anytime you feel like someone is being condescending to you or putting you down, that is only happening in your mind because if you are a Christian at all, you understand that you deserve death and hell and there is nothing that God or anybody on this planet could ask of you that you're too good to do. Our administrator, a.k.a. my big sister, and some of y'all have heard this, asks me repeatedly to please stay home when there's heavy stuff being lifted. Please don't come 
when, when there's stuff. Now, people are like, well, he could come and just sit off to the side. No, you could come and sit off to the side. And, and the last time I showed up at, at Food and Clothing, I don't, I don't even remember uh, who all was out, out there, but uh, I saw all these guys carrying these boxes. And I'm just standing there, and it's hot outside, and these cars are pulling up, box, pulling up, box, pulling up, two boxes, pulling up, two boxes, pulling up, box. And so I grabbed a box, and, 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 and the ones that, that, that cared about me and all, like, don't do that. Because they knew I was going to hurt my back. But, but then I had to prove to them later, uh, five minutes later, I, I could do it again. And then I, I wasn't really proving to them anything. I was proving them right by messing my back up for the whole rest of the week. So pe- pe- my, people that care about me uh, and, and, and the, the physical uh, situation I've got with my back that they want to operate on again, try to keep me away from doing that type of thing so I can do other things. Uh, but I want you to know that there is in no way ever been a time in my life where I felt like I'm the pastor and that's beneath me. Never been that. Never, never been that. The first thing I did when I got out of my vehicle this morning was bend over and pick the trash up that was between my vehicle and, and my door. And I didn't pick, do that so I could say that in this sermon. You guys that greet these doors out here, you, you that walk with me back over to the office when you do, nobody's assigned to do that, by the way. This ain't that kind of church. Y'all, y'all see these 30-member churches where the pastor's always got three people surrounding him. Uh, Everybody that's ever walked anywhere with me on this church parking lot has seen me bend over and pick up trash and say, oh, you ever seen that happen, Jimmy? I, and, and the first, I, I'll get that because they know if I bend over, I, I, I got so many back issues, I'm probably liable to lock my back up and have to lay there for a minute. But nothing, listen, if you feel like something is beneath you, you got the wrong idea of who you are. You got the wrong idea. I, I, I was telling some people last night uh, about our early church, um, how my mom, uh, my mom and I were in the bathroom, and, 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 and very few of y'all uh, were at Clay Hill, but the building we started in was a true shack. It was raggedy, and it was awful, and we determined we were going to clean it up, and just like we've cleaned up everywhere we've ever been. And my mother and I uh, were on our hands and knees in the men's bathroom, and I just don't understand how some of y'all handle your business because literally the, the urinal was there, and there was yellow stains on the tile uh, at least in a, in a half moon, two feet around the whole thing. And we were on our hands and knees scrubbing baseboards and urine stains on tile that, that wouldn't even come out. And there was nobody that ever said, oh, Pastor Scott, you're the pastor. You shouldn't be in there scrubbing pee. Because you do what is there to do. If, anytime someone says, well, that's beneath me, the work is not beneath you. You've self-exalted yourself to a position where you think you're too good to do something for the Lord. Because the Bible says everything we do, we should do it as unto the Lord. You don't carry boxes for the food and clothing ministry only. You're carrying those boxes for Jesus. You don't do what you do as you go out in the earth just for your family name. You do that as a representative of God. But many of those people in their mind, just as many people think today, if I was to ask, 
I ain't about to do all this. That's hot outside. I ain't going to do all that stuff. That ain't, that, that ain't what I'm built for. Well, you've lost it in your mind already. And, and that's, that's why I finally, and it, it's so funny. They say apple don't fall far from the tree. Uh, I, I know you can remember how many times I used to have to tell mom, mom, let the younger people do that. Let, let, Cause my mom was the same. We just had to just tell her, you, you can't, you can't do anything else. She'd be pushed up into her seventies trying to think she's still going to stack chairs up and carry them and, 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 and walk out with them. And she, 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 she didn't understand that because she just was a worker and uh, she, she never realized, she never thought anything was beneath her. And, and the sad thing is there are people in this room that could watch a 56-year-old preacher with a bad back and a bad neck bend over and pick up stuff. They, they could watch people as old as Deacon Ken and older in this room work hard and, and sweat and, and sit and think, that ain't me, dog. Let them old people do that if they want to. I ain't, they better not even think about asking me to uh, pick up some garbage. That stuff be getting dirt on my hands. <laughs> Third excuse. They probably had in their mind. It was difficult. If you never walked uh, two miles carrying somebody else's luggage, that's difficult. Uh, When the Roman soldier told a Jewish person to carry his stuff, he didn't care how hard the task was. He didn't think, I wonder if they've been working out long enough to be able to carry all this stuff. And they weren't going, the ones that were following Jesus weren't going to stop at 1,000 steps. They were going to take 2,000 steps. And in all reality, that meant they had to take 4,000 steps just to get back to where they started from. God is calling us to go the extra mile, not because it's easy, even though, in spite of it being difficult. Let me get through this. It wasn't just, a, uh, it wasn't just inconvenient, demeaning, and difficult. It was time-consuming. When the Roman soldier told a Jewish person to carry his stuff, he knew it was going to take time. He knew it was going to take time. It wasn't going to be something that was done and out. It wasn't going to be something that fit inside his perfect little schedule. It was going to be time-consuming. And I want you to know many times when it comes to obeying God, as Christians, we get caught up looking at things the wrong way. We think about things the wrong way. Let me ask you this. How many of y'all know that as soon as I do it, and it's crazy to hear people have been here as long as they've been here, they start looking at the clock and gathering their stuff up at, at, at two minutes to 12. That clock means nothing to me. Your watch means nothing to me. Your sense of the game is starting and I got to go home and get the wings cooked before kickoff means nothing to me or to God. If it means that much to you, listen, I'm not guaranteed to talk about you if you get up and leave. But I've always said, if you have to go, that's fine. You don't have to duck out like this. If you, if you got to go to work, if you got a schedule to keep, that's fine. But the fact that preachers all around America, I've had pastors te- teach in pastors' conferences, never go beyond an hour because people's time is valuable. I wonder if God's time was valuable when he was hanging on that cross for three hours. 
We can't sit in a padded chair in an air-conditioned building. Now, I thank God for, 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 for some, some church members. Some church members, they, uh, they, 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 they've been through it. They, they knew church started at, at 1030 and got out at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Y'all, uh, they're like, <laughs> long, long, long as we get out, uh, you know, but, but before it's time to go to bed, I'm okay. You know, I get up and use the bathroom, come back in. But the fact that churches all around this country try to stay to a schedule, why? Because they don't have church members and they don't have the understanding that many times following God, obeying God takes time. Now, some people, if you thought, what if we stayed an extra 30 minutes and just called on God to really do something amazing? What, what, what if we stay, what if we, what if we went past one o'clock? Don't freak out, because we, we might not. What if we went past one o'clock, but that was when the Spirit of God fell? Would you be glad to still be in the room? Oh, no, the Jaguars, you know, they, they, they got a rookie quarterback with a mustache now. We got to go watch that. It takes time. It takes time. We get caught up looking at things the wrong way. I want you to understand, many times, obeying God's going to be inconvenient. You're going to have to be willing to put God's will above your own. Many times, it, 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 it's not going to fit within your comfort zone to do what God is telling you to do. Many times, obeying God may appear to be demeaning to you. Not in reality, but in your mind. You might feel like that's, at, that's, that's beneath you, and they ought to get somebody else to do that. Many times, obeying God is going to be difficult. I told you, we live in a world of ease, but it's made us lazy. Very few things in God's kingdom is meant to be easy. When I see that bumper sticker on the back of people's vehicle, and it says, Real Men Pray, I think, man, I hope he knows. Because prayer is work. you got to be a champion to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. you got to put it in. you got, you got to do inconvenient things. you got to do difficult things. you got to do things that, that others would tell you is beneath you. A lot of this stuff's difficult to do. In Luke 17, 4, I'll give you one because we got to get out of here because some of y'all clock watching. Don't mess with my time. I had a preacher one time. Some of y'all were in the room. I, I let a guy preach for me one time. He, came, he, he, he stood up. He was right in the middle of a sentence and his watch went beep, beep. He was right, and, and Jesus was walking. The clock on the wall says that's all. And I'd never steal your time because if, if you steal my time, you steal my life. And, and he closed. I said, oh, 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 I stood up off the front row. I said, we don't play that. Finish your thought. But he was, that's, that's how he does church. But I'm going to get you out of here eventually. Some of this stuff is difficult. It's not meant to be easy. I'll give you one. In Luke 17, 4, Jesus said, even if that person wrongs you seven times in a day, and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. That's not easy. 
that's not easy. Uh, you, you, some of y'all are old enough to remember what Gomer Powell said. You fooled me once, shame on you. You fooled me twice, shame on me. And that's saying, I ain't gonna have to forgive you a third time because I ain't, I ain't putting up with you no more. You can get. Some of y'all feel like, well, I'm not gonna forgive them because they keep doing it. And I've heard people say, if they were really repentant, they wouldn't keep doing it over and over again. Well, you keep doing you over and over again. Well, if they were truly born again, they wouldn't keep struggling with that same issue. You keep struggling with yours. Jesus said, there's no limit. There's nothing too difficult. He never sits back and thinks, I wonder if this would be too difficult for the father to ask his children. No, he doesn't think that way. And he didn't live that way. And he proved it by being obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What God asked of Jesus was difficult. It was inconvenient. It certainly was demeaning in reality to ask the living visible representation of deity on the planet to let human beings that he created spit on him nothing God never sits there and thinks I'm asking him something that's too hard he didn't think this is hard we think this is hard well I'll forgive him but I'll never trust him well you haven't forgiven I don't hate him I still love them. I just don't like them. You don't love them. You're not willing to do this hard thing that says over and over. Well, what if they do it eight times? Because that's my cutoff. This wasn't being that kind of literal. It was teaching a principle. I've heard people say, uh, if, if, if someone slaps you on one side of the cheek, you should do the other. You, you should do what? Uh, turn the other side. Let him slap you on the other side. I've heard people say, uh, yeah, well, he slapped me on one side of my cheek. I told him I'm going to turn the other side of the cheek, but he better be careful because I ain't got but two of them. It ain't on and popping after he hits you on the other side either. These are difficult things that God is asking us to do. It was a difficult thing when the Roman soldier asked the, 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 the Jew that he hated, to carry his, it was a difficult thing that the Jew had to go out of his way. And Jesus said, don't just do what he asked you to do. Double that up. Not to spite him, not to show him, he can't break me. I show him. No, in humility and with a loving spirit, in forgiveness. These are difficult things. But in 1 Chronicles 21, God had told King David to build an altar and sacrifice to him. David's out away from his hometown. He don't have the instruments to build an altar or, or to sacrifice an animal. He don't have the animal. He don't have the instruments. So he goes to Ornan's house, also called Aruna, and he says, I need to buy all this stuff from you because the Lord God told me to build an altar and make him a sacrifice. Well, dude, Aruna. Ornan had money, he had the stuff. He's like, man, what's that between me and you? You're the king, take everything you need. And David said, not on your life. No way, Jose. I am not going to take something free 
and make this job that God has given me to do easy. He said, I will pay you the full price for it all. And this is what he said, and this is the part that many people remember. He said, I will not offer unto God anything that costs me nothing. And we've come so far from that. Now we only offer God what costs us nothing or little to nothing, an hour a week. Following God takes long amounts of time. It doesn't happen overnight. A mushroom pops up overnight, but it can be kicked over by a two-year-old. An oak tree takes decades and centuries to be fully grown. Some of y'all think you've grown in Christ and you've been in God this long. It's a time-consuming thing that takes a lifetime. Well, I might read the proverb of the day, but I ain't got time to be reading the Gospel of Luke this month because that's the longest book in the Bible. It's not the longest book in the Bible. It is, in, 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 in one way, the longest book in the New Testament. But how much time are you willing to give God? Are you willing to give God stuff that costs you? I just sat down on the edge of this altar and said, we're just going to stay in the presence of God. We're going to see how long you're willing to stay. Some of y'all think, try that if you want to. I'm out. And I know that. And preachers all around the world know that. That's why they struggle so hard to get out by noon. It's so funny. Church in America was always the, the, the Sunday morning church hour when Dr. King said the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. That's because that was the church hour, 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock. Well, what do churches do, including Abundant Life? We back that 11 o'clock up to 1030. Why? Because we like having church earlier? No, because we know people get bent past noon are they into my day now does that sound right to you to say to God oh he's on my time now I, I was going to be there till 12 but he looked trying to push that past church speak how long is he going to hold hold nobody being held in here get up and walk out anytime you want to takes time I wonder if you're willing to offer God what cost you or have you fallen into the ease of 21st century Christianity where you just give God little to nothing toss him a little something on the side and think he's going to be okay with it Jesus said Whatever you think the world says is the right thing to do, you can expect to double that. Whatever your mind is telling you is difficult, do it anyway. You want to grow? You want to be who God wants you to be? It's going to be some inconvenience there. It's going to be some work. It's going to take some time. It's going to be difficult. But Jesus said to go the second mile done with this last question are you willing are you willing to go the extra mile
Sometimes God wants you to leave. I've had, I've, I've, I've literally asked God to take some people out. Move them on. But most time, you need to stay and grow where you're planted. That's scriptural. Many people leave churches. You've heard me say many times, the average senior pastor changes uh, pastorates every 18 to 36 months, depending on what part of the country they're in. Well, the average church member does the same. And the reason many times why church members leave to go to a different church, people learn too much about you. Same reason the pastor leaves. Messed up too many times publicly. Got caught too many times. People knew too much. Tired of, being, tired of getting in trouble with the same people. When the right thing to do would just be to repent, dust you off yourself, and get busy about serving God. People sit in church. If he says that one more time, that's it for me. Out of the same mouth that was saying weeks, months, or years ago, I'm so thankful God brought me to this church. If God brought you somewhere, what is it that became so difficult, so inconvenient, so demeaning? What, what is it that became so time-consuming that you decided, I'm out? And not just leaving the church location, but not serving God the way you know you should. When did you become okay telling God no? When did you become okay refusing to obey your Heavenly Father? When did you get comfortable with that? When did you get comfortable knowing that God has given you gifts and talents and a calling and an anointing on your life to say, ah, I did enough of that. This is every church all over the country going through this at the same time. Jesus said, you go the extra mile. The only real question is, are you willing? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for loving us and being patient with us. I thank you that you love us in our inconsistency. I thank you that you love us in our sin, that you love us in our rebellion, that you love us when we're good and bad, happy and sad. God, I thank you that your love is everlasting and your mercy endures forever. God, I pray that you would create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit in us. God, I pray that you would let us move beyond what's convenient and let us move into obedience. God, I pray that you would let us feel even as David felt, that we won't offer you things that cost us nothing. You paid the full price for us, God. I pray that we pay the full price back. Lord, I pray that you'd raise up men and women of God in this place. Young people who would be fully devoted to you. People who would not only do what others think is right, but would do what you say is right. People who would do not only what's expected by a government that can be oppressive, but to go even beyond that in our service to you. You are our just king, 
perfect God. You told us to be a living sacrifice, to just keep on dying for you, to keep on dying for you, to die for you every day, to give up everything that we have for you every day. God, I pray that you'd move us out of our selfishness. Move us out of our self-centeredness. Don't let us think that it's somebody else's job to praise you. Don't let us think that it's somebody else's job to study the word, to pray, to love you and to love each other. God, our country is a mess. We need your help. But more than that, our lives are a mess. And as individuals, we need our help. So God, I pray that you'd save every person in this room. I pray that you would deliver every person in this room. I pray that you would heal every person in this room and create in us a sense of urgency. to be everything that you've asked of us. You have not asked of us anything that is too hard. You have not asked of us anything that can be compared to what you've done for us. God, I pray that you'd move in our church today. I pray that you'd move in our lives today. I pray that you would empower us by your spirit to get to the place where we can truly believe that enough is enough and that it's time to serve you with a whole heart you told us we can only find you when we search for you with our whole heart God I pray that we would do that Thank you for coming from heaven and living on this earth. Thank you for enduring the abuse that you endured for us. Thank you for shedding your blood for us. Thank you for giving us the knowledge that you are the true and living God. Thank you for the faith to believe in you. Thank you for your spirit that lives in us pray, God, that we would stop grieving you and move beyond just believing in you to living for you every minute of every day. You are the living word, and I ask you to live inside of us. Just for a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to take a minute. I'm not going to delay this message, and I'm not going to drag you down to this altar and make you make some emotional decision. But just in the stillness right now, I want you just to take a second and tell God that you love Him. I hope you do love Him. If you ever get a glimpse of how much He loves you, you will love Him back. I want you just to tell him that you love him. Just talk to him for a second. 
I just want you to thank him for something right now. He's commanded us to be thankful for everything. I just want you to thank him for something right now. Whatever comes into your heart, whatever comes into your mind right now that you could be thankful for, I just want you, God sitting here, the thoughts in your head, I just want you to tell him in your mind right now what you're thankful for. I hope that you're willing to go the extra mile in service of our God. Sometimes the world thinks that they're getting over on us. Sometimes the haters think that they're getting over on us. Don't do what you do for anybody else other than the Lord. And then the extra mile is easy because he's with you. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for being so good to us. God, I pray you'd fill us with your spirit to overflow. And let us leave this place today determined to be more of what you called us to be, to honor you more, to glorify you more, to praise and worship you more, to serve you, and to be an extra mile follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the example that you've given us through your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.